my, and welcome in, welcome in to the newest season, the 2019 season of Three In, Three Out, which is, of course, a unique Seahawks podcast and video cast and, and, and what already, everything already. If you know my voice, that's probably because you've heard it before. Coming from the Seahawkers podcast, I do this this little this little weekly side quill during the season called Three In Three Out. If you don't know my voice yet, maybe you're hearing it on the Field Goals podcast for the first time ever. My name is Clinton Bonner. You can find me on Twitter at Clinton Bon. I'm a rabid Seahawks fan, a fanatic, if you will, and I certainly will. I get fired up, and then here's the whole point: if you don't know Three In Three Out quite yet, and thank you for getting to know it, because I want I want to know you, and I want you to know this. So this is how three in, three out works real quick. On a weekly basis, after the game, I give a little analysis, three things that stood out to me. Maybe it's a singular play. Maybe it's a player. Maybe it's a series of plays. But three things are on the inside of the ledger that just really stood out as being a fantastic uh, moment in the game. And then on the other side of the ledger, we got three things that kind of stood out that were on the outside. Three things that were like, man, I really wish that had gone better. So you get this beautiful yin and this yang. You get this back and forth, this volley, if you will, this McEnroe Borg for the uh, the old school tennis fans out there, and it's it's a fun it's a fun fired up little podcast, and I appreciate everybody listening in. So this is the first episode of the 2019 season of Three and Three Out. Let's get going right now. So I'm going to call an audible early. When it's a game, so week one versus Cincinnati, we'll have the three ins, we'll have the three outs, easy to pick some things apart. And as you get to know this series, I do like to delve a little bit deeper. I call them the nooks and the crannies and the English muffins where the butter runs deep. I really like to pick out the the little moments that matter in football, but I just couldn't bring myself to nitpick three things that, that were bad this offseason because some of them were just straight out of people's control like Doug Baldwin deciding to retire like that that stuff happens right I mean ask the Colts right so instead I'm gonna audible I'm gonna say you know a little Omaha Omaha ball might fly over my head it might be two points early we might win 43 to 8 I don't know probably probably will happen so instead of a three and three out where I give you the bad this time too I'm just gonna give you a top six to me, I got top six things that I think were exceptional during this offseason, getting us ready for week one home versus the Bungles. So I'm going to count these down like New Year's Eve, Dick Clark style, and we're going to start with number six right now. Oh, man, when we entered this this offseason, there were so many question marks, right? There was there was Bobby. There was Russ. There was, you know, we knew Earl was gone, but where was he going to go? And yet we find ourselves in really a magnificent, magnificent spot. So I'm going to give you my top six things. I'm going to tell you this. It won't be about Russ or Bobby or Clowney or Ansa. None of those. None of those folks. I got six, but I want to start counting down. So number six, let me go right to it and just dive in. So the first in number six to me is one of these things that I felt like was the first domino to go our way. Turns out we have a wizard for a GM, a literal wizard for a GM and Schneider. But the first big thing for me that really started setting the stage was the re-signing of K.J. Wright. That first bit of news that K.J. Wright was coming back for, for at least a year, right, that was gigantic to me because we know we got Bobby, and at that point we didn't have him locked up yet. 
we still don't know about Kendricks and his off-field issues. Hopefully that all gets cleared up. He just doesn't get, you know, has no jail time coming up. But the fact that we had KJ Wright back at the end of last year, healthy and looking kind of back up to speed, and then he resigns this year, and he's, you know, seemingly healthy, 100% ready to rock and roll. Uh, for me, it was the first domino to drop, and I was like, man, that set the stage for an incredible, incredible offseason of things that I just feel like broke the Seahawks' way. So number six is K.J. Wright. So the first in of the 2019 season. Remember, this is an all-in episode. This is six ins in a row. Number six is the re-signing of K.J. Wright. I think it shocked pretty much all 12s. We really thought he was gone. He is not gone. He is part of what now is an incredible front seven. Okay, number five. So the fifth best thing, in my opinion, to happen in this offseason. Again, these are the nooks and the crannies. Put aside the Russell Wilson, you know, extension. Put aside the Bobby. Even put aside the Frank Clark and, and all that. I want to talk about a player that I think has a huge opportunity heading into 2019. And that is Lano Hill. Now, I, I know I know what you might be thinking back at home. You know, you, you're sipping on a big Slurpee or maybe a, a super big gulp. And I understand the refreshingness at 79 cents. I, I dive into my 7-Eleven. But you got to understand that this guy was starting to play really, really well towards the end of the year, starting to just, just show up. And then he gets a cracked hip. I mean, he cracks his hip. That is no minor, you know, detail there, right? And obviously, he's out the rest of the season uh, last year. He takes a while to come back in uh, through. Throughout the offseason here, we see him late in the preseason, and then all of a sudden he's uh, he's no, no longer Delano Hill. He's just Lano Hill. I guess part of the surgery was they they chopped off the D and the E. Sometimes these things happen, but the man comes back and Lano Hill is ready. And I like Lano Hill. I like. I think this guy has some big, big potential. So when the 53 came out and I saw that Leno was there, I'm like, okay, I'm just, I'm just fired up about what this guy can be. And I don't think a lot of 12s are talking about Leno Hill. And in general, the DBs are not getting a lot of talk and the safety's not getting a lot of talk. And I mean, I get it. I get it. You bring in Clowney and Ansa and you get Reed coming back after the suspension and you have that, that front seven that looks amazing. That's what you're going to talk about. So I understand that. But I'm just saying that to get this guy back healthy after a pretty darn severe injury and then him to be primed and ready to rock and roll week one, I like what Leno Hill is about to go do in 2019. And I'm betting you're going to be liking that too come week one, week two, week three, where he starts showing back up again. So I'm going to make a little prediction right now too with this fifth in. So I predict a Leno Hill interception first week at home at the clink. That's what I'm talking about. All right, moving on to the fourth spot, the fourth biggest in of the year for the Seahawks in the offseason. And listen, this is like an electron state. I can't put it at the four specifically. Maybe it's a two later. Perhaps it's the one. It's very There's a lot of quantum things happening here, but I got to put it somewhere. So I'll, I'll slide it in nicely to number four. But listen, I like a whole lot that uh, Schneider and Carol kind of manned up and said, you know what? Last year, we made a mistake. Last year, giving the ball to Seabass and saying, hey, Seabass, this is your leg we're going with and you know, giving Myers the boot. Myers went off, has a Pro Bowl year with the Jets. Our GM sucks up and goes, you know, hey, Jason, 
we kind of made a bad call there. We want you back. We want you back in the PNW. Come on back out here and kick some footballs for us. This is a big deal. You know, I don't even want to mention the name, the, the names I'm about to mention, but going through Blair Walsh and then Janikowski, it's, it's a hard, hard thing as a Seahawks fan to see a team waste what our prime years of a generational quarterback when you don't have a kicker who could kick. You know, so going back to the end of the year last year and Janikowski, you know, pulling a thigh bone or wherever he pulled on that on that one of the things he was attempting. And then he's out for the rest of the game. We can't kick a field goal. I mean, just a shame. And then, of course, we know we know already with Blair. So I'm just very excited to have in Myers a solid kicker. I know the dude's not going to be perfect. He may not be a pro bowler like he was last year, but. I also know that he could go out there and boot a 55-yarder. I also know he's going to be mostly accurate, and I think he's going to be a really, really solid kicker for us throughout the year. So number four for me is just shoring up a position that was a pain in our you-know-whats the last couple of years. So welcome back, Myers, to the PNW, and get excited about having a kicker that we can count on. Okay, now the third biggest in of the offseason for our beloved Seahawks. Now, when you think number three and when you think Seattle, of course, you think of Russell Carrington Wilson. However, however, I'm going to give this third in to his backup number seven. Right. I'm going to give this third in to Geno Smith. Now, here's the thing. You go out, you go out on the Twitterverse, and when they signed Geno originally, when they brought him in for training camp, people are railing on Geno Smith. I'm a New Yorker. I grew up in New York. I live in Connecticut. I've been a Seahawks fan since I was like six, seven years old, and I'm 41. So doing the math, you know, I've been around since the Dave, the Dave Craig era and, and all that jazz, right? So, but I've seen a lot of Jets football. I, as soon as we signed that dude, I'm like, hey, I think you're going to realize that Geno Smith is not the type of quarterback you believe he is. Don't get me wrong. He makes some, you know, he makes some plays where he just seems like he doesn't have the right kind of vision and he throws some interceptions. You're just simply scratching your head being like, how did you not see that dude? I watched him as an early Jets draft pick and then just kind of struggle a little bit. But I also saw that dude win some games. He's an NFL quarterback, right? So when we had Paxton Lynch and Geno Smith. Uh, I should actually put the emphasis the other way. Be like when we had Paxton Lynch and then Geno Smith. It was just night and day to me that Geno Smith was a much, much better quarterback and he's better than Magoo, in my opinion. And I think he's the best backup we've had since Tavares Jackson. Now, here's the thing. We hope that this doesn't matter one iota. But here's also the thing. And I'm knocking on wood. I'm knocking all the stuff that that's out there. Listen, quarterbacks get hit. You know, the starting quarterbacks do get hit. If our starting quarterback happens to miss some time at this point, I think we got a guy in Geno that could keep this ship afloat. He could win. I feel like he can go 500. I feel like he could win three out of five games. God forbid he has to go in a stretch like that. Geno Smith is a pretty darn okay NFL quarterback. And frankly, that's that's fantastic because I feel like the last couple of years, we just did not have any way, shape or form a decent, you know, a decent backup at all. So to me, I hope it doesn't matter at all. I hope this is something that's so silly when it comes to like week 16, week 17 that we're talking about Geno Smith, but it's still the off season. And I'm very, very fired up that Geno Smith won the job. Then he got cut. 
So I didn't know what that was about. But then he resigned, and I knew what that was about. And I'm just fired up that Geno Smith is our backup because I think he's a lot, lot better than people give him credit for. And he's a darn good backup, and that's what we needed. So number three goes to not Russell Wilson, but number seven, Geno Smith. Okay, we're down to the top two. And like I said, we are not going to be looking at the, the ones that you think we're looking at because I've already blew past a whole bunch. Probably like, what's this guy talking about? How is he not talking about, you know, Ziggy? How is he not talking about the Clark trade? Uh, because I'm not, because that's been talked about all offseason. And this is three and three out. We do it a little bit differently here. So number two for me is a cut. Number two is the ballsy move to cut J.D. McKissick and keep CJ Procise. Here's why. I know, I know the backlash. CJ can't stay healthy. He's injury prone. I, I'm not, I'm not some dumb dude. I, of course, I watch that. I see all of this. However, we got Travis Homer as, you know, a sixth rounder this year. That dude's tough as nails. He's got good hands. And right now he's, he's our RB4. Awesome. So what do you do in that situation? We're stacked at running back. You take the dude with elite talent. J.D. McKissick, good athlete, interesting guy. He's got some good hands. He's not a good running back, doesn't have great vision, and doesn't really carry anybody once he's had significant, you know, contact. He's just kind of just, that's not how he's built. I'm not, and, and you know what, J.D., go have a great career with the Lions. Go make your money. Thank you for being a good Seahawk while you were here. Take none of that away. But you have to roll the dice with elite talent. There's not there's only so much of it you know, on earth, period. CJ Procise is an elite, elite player. And I get it. It has to come with the caveat, the asterisk, the whole thing already of when he's healthy. And I understand the best ability is availability. And he has simply not been available. With all of that said, the fact that we had Homer that we took him in the sixth and, and he was making the roster. The fact that we got Penny, who, you know, verdict is still out, but, but hey, you know, but we got him. And then, of course, we got, we got the workhorse. We got toughness, uh, Chris Carson. I wasn't worried about keeping J.D. McKissick. What I wanted was roll the dice, roll the dice with a dude that has elite skills, and that is C.J. Procise. So we roll the dice with Procise, the ins on the cut from McKissick so that we can make room for Procise. I think it's going to pay dividends. And if I'm wrong, so what? All right, we are down to the number one move of the offseason in what has been like the offseason of all offseasons. And again, for the last time, for the first time, this is without all the ones you're expecting. So let's dive right into what, what I believe is going to be the best move of our offseason. I'm going to say this pretty darn, pretty darn simply. I think John Ursua is going to be a rock star in the slot. That guy, I have big time hopes for Mr. John Ursua. When you watch a dude who just knows how to do what he's got to do with the skills that he's got, and then he does it every single time, consistently, professionally, the dude's a rookie who comes in, understands how to sit down in zone coverage. The dude's a rookie who comes in, understands not how to not take direct hits, Dude comes in, understands how to go get that extra two to five yards after he's got the ball in his hands. This guy is a pro day one slot receiver. 
this, the move, the move, you know, for any of the Seahawks fans out there, I know a lot of you who are listening to this are rabid Seahawks fans. You're like, you don't got to tell me, dude, but the move to trade back in to the seventh round and then take this dude from Hawaii that everybody's like, oh yeah, yeah. But I, I didn't know him going to draft day. I don't watch that much college football. But as soon as you tell me that this guy led the nation in touchdowns and then you could see him on tape and you could see him throughout the preseason, just being a smart slot receiver, I am extremely fired up for Ursua. In a year where we lose Baldwin, in a year where we got all, you know, all these new rookies coming in, when we draft three rookies and we have Jazz Ferguson, who also competed very, very well and now is stashed on the, the practice squad. Man, oh man, was it nice to see a very niche type talent come in. And I think Ursua is going to surprise the upside in a lot of ways. I think he's going to be somewhere in that range of like 40 to 50 receptions, which, you know, again, I know you follow the Seahawks. That's a lot of receptions for our Seattle Seahawks because we don't throw the ball, you know, like like other teams throw the ball. We just don't we just don't have that many attempts. I think Ursua is going to be somewhere in the 40 to 50 range and have something like five or seven touchdowns. He is going to be a huge contributor, you know, day one, year one. And I expect big things from John Ursua. So for me, of all these moves in an offseason that was clearly a championship offseason, as Russ likes to say and Pete likes to say, the number one move for me is a little sneaky move. When we all thought Seattle made their last pick, we were all going back to mowing our lawns or whatever we got to do at that time of year. And all of a sudden, we're like, oh, Seattle traded back in and took this uh, took this wide receiver from, from Hawaii named Ursua. Very, very interesting. They didn't want to let him get to the uh, the, the free agency, you know, the UFAs. They go and snag him. And I believe that Ursua is going to be the man right out of the gate. I cannot wait to see what he brings. And to me, that is the number one move of this offseason. So 12s, that concludes the first episode of the 2019 campaign for three in, three out. I hope you like what you're hearing because I'm going to do these every single week after the game. I try to get these out usually on like a Tuesday. Sometimes it's a Wednesday. Either way, it's going to be passionate. It's going to be different. And we're going to look at the ins, the outs, the facts of life already. And we're going to come together and talk about our beloved Seattle Seahawks. We are six days away from kickoff at the clink versus a banged up Bengals team. I am fired up for this season. I am fired up for all the moves we made. Thank you for joining me today. And let's go get this first W. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.